Well, good morning, Crossworders, and welcome to Crossword Online. Uh, glad to be able to share another message with you as we once again turn to Matthew uh, chapter 1. Uh, this week we are looking at the second part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and we are looking uh, at the next verses 6 uh, down to uh, verse 11. And I will read that for us in a moment. Uh, And then we'll pray, and then we'll take a look at it in more detail. So let me read it for us. Uh, Just that small section. I won't read through the whole thing like I did last week, but I'm going to look at just that section. It begins like this, uh, halfway through verse 6. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. Well, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. Something that we don't often look at uh, is names, genealogy. Uh, But Lord, we do pray that uh, as we do turn to this this morning, that we may really consider this line from which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes. To see your plan, to see your purpose, to see your incredible uh, intention that you have wrapped up in these people and what it means for us today as we consider our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So gracious Father, I pray that you you challenge us, you open our eyes to see uh, the incredible wonder of your word and that we may be filled with joy as we reflect and think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ during this time and this season. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you remember last week, uh, we took a look at the first couple names, the first 14 names uh, in this genealogy or genealogy. And what's interesting for us to just pick up is last week we kind of highlighted this covenant uh, aspect of of these names, that God is a God who makes a covenant, if you recall, uh, as we looked at that last week. So the Lord that we serve is a Lord who makes a a covenant, he cuts a covenant, he makes a covenant with his people that is uh, everlasting. It's not just uh, a simple one. It's not something that should be taken lighthearted. The Lord, when he makes a covenant, when he makes a promise, he makes one to keep. And ultimately we see uh, Christ being a fulfillment of that covenant uh, and a beautiful picture in in that sense as we see Christ in it. Uh, This week we are looking at something slightly different and uh, for those of you that may be aware of uh, Graham's Gold, Graham Goldsworthy, he makes use of fantastic uh, uh, kind of three three points as to when you look at Scripture. He says uh, one must consider when you are looking at Scripture God's people and God's place under God's rule. Uh, and this passage really today highlights those three aspects in a really phenomenal way. As we look at these names, they highlight God's people uh, in God's place and also under God's rule. 
And so I want to just draw out some of those ideas for us this morning, just so that we have an idea of really what is going on. So the first thing, perhaps you are, uh, you've picked up some of the names, you're familiar with some of the names, perhaps you're familiar with some of the history around Israel at this time. Uh, the time frame that you have is from David running all the way through to Josiah or his son Jeconiah or Jehoiakim, uh, perhaps is uh, what your, your Bible puts as a footnote. Uh, and these, this is the generation from David running all the way up until Israel was about to be taken off into exile uh, by the Babylonians. And this is important for us. So what it tells us is that firstly, on one end you have David, who is the establishment of kingship. And it runs all the way. That whole account, if you actually go to 1 and 2 Kings, you see all of these names coming up. So right from David all the way through to the very exile uh, where uh, Josiah and uh, Je- uh, Jehoiakim, uh, or at least as we have him here, Jeconiah, is uh, taken off. They are taken into exile. Uh, and so this is a phenomenal uh, section if we look at it like that. It is essentially Israel established in the promised land. It is Israel uh, who is now using, making use of the temple. So notice there in verse 6, David was the father of Solomon. That's important for us to just pick up that. Solomon is the one who built the temple. Uh, David is the one that wanted to but couldn't. If you recall the covenant that was made last, last week that we looked at, that uh, the Lord made a covenant with David and said that his, his children will, uh, well, the one, his son will build the temple. Uh, and we see how that covenant was fulfilled ultimately in Christ, but that there's a po- po- the possibility that some of that uh, of that covenant, uh, some of that promise, uh, we see fulfilled in generations handed down from David onward. Uh, but for us this morning, what we are going to pick up, as I said, is God's people, God's place, and God's rule. Uh, as we look at this, we say God's people. Well, first and foremost, we understand that this is. Israel, this is God's people, God's nation. Uh, particularly if you want to be a little bit more nitpicky about what, who these people are in this line of David. These are the kings. These are the kings of, uh, of Israel. Uh, so running from David, Solomon, Reboam, Abijah, Asa, all of them are the kings that ruled over Israel. Um, so these are the people. Uh, who are the people? Well, particularly, it is obviously uh, Israel is God's people. But uh, specifically to this context, we find that the people in particular are God's kings uh, that rule and represent Israel as a nation. And so that's important for us just to be aware of as we are looking at this aspect of the genealogy. Uh, the other aspect that we want to uh, just highlight, uh, just to keep in the back of your mind, which makes this quite an interesting section, uh, it starts with David and it doesn't quite end with uh, the person that you'd like it to. But out of all of them, you have David and Josiah that in some ways almost bookend uh, this genealogy uh, and this account. And David is a man after God's own heart. And the other person that comes close uh, to, to being somewhat like a David is that of Josiah. The real unfortunate thing, though, when you start reading 1 and 2 Kings uh, and looking at, at all of these characters, the frightening reality is that these characters are rather despicable. Uh, the kingship 
So if we highlighted last week, just if you recall, uh, the, the, the line between Abram and David was a questionable line. There was a lot of characters that uh, weren't necessarily... Uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect to be in the line of Christ. Um, but if you wanted something even more frightening, it is to look at the line going from David to Josiah or to Jehoiakim. Uh, it's a frightening line and there are some really questionable and frightening realities of what these kings got up to. Uh, as I say, David and Josiah were slightly, uh, perhaps slightly above the rest. They uh, they were significant characters. And what makes this slightly more interesting for us, just to highlight that as well, is that as we ended last week and we saw that the Lord made a covenant with David, we have at this point uh, David being uh, someone that the Lord has made a covenant with, uh, the first real uh, king that the Lord appointed in a, in a very unique way, uh, outside of Saul, obviously, but uh, David was the one that the Lord intended and wanted as the king. And then Josiah, uh, he is interesting in light of the fact that he renews a covenant or he continues. Uh, he, he makes a covenant to keep the covenant, if we can put it that way. Uh, so David, David, who has, uh, who has made, has a covenant, the Lord makes a covenant with him. You have Josiah who comes along later and actually finds that covenant that was recorded. Uh, and so it seems as though he almost, uh, it seems as though in one sense he renews the covenant, but perhaps it's more clear that they commit themselves to the Lord. Uh, they cleanse the temple, they cleanse all the, the despicable things that are being done uh, in and around Jerusalem at the time. And then they uh, they are reminded, and they are they make a promise to to live up to those that covenant that was made that the they are God's covenantal people. So, looking at that on the outside, uh, just looking at David and Josiah at least, we see that uh, part of God's people is uh, is a king or kings that should hold on to the Lord's covenant. Uh, the Lord's promises. And here you have David who receives it and you have Josiah that renews it in however you want to look at it. We won't go into too much detail on that. But to just see the, the overarching picture that a king is part of God's people. A king, a king is a representative of God's people. So Josiah, he calls all the people together uh, from, from around, uh, from Judah and from around Jerusalem and reminds them, that this is what the Lord has promised. Uh, and then the significant thing is that in this genealogy that we are given, we have Jeconiah or Jehoiakim, who is the final one. And unfortunately, through the disobedience, they are then carried off. So if you remember the covenant that the Lord made with David, was that if you do wicked things, the Lord will not stop loving his king or his people but he will punish them at the hand of man, whether by flogging or by beating uh, by rod. And so here you get to the end of after Josiah, his son, uh, rebels and the nation rebels once more. And they are then punished. And we won't go into that this week, but they are then taken off into exile. And the Lord delivers on his promise. The Lord made a covenant with his people. And this is what will happen if a nation rebels. If a, if a nation resists who the Lord is, there is a level of punishment. But not punishment because God hates the nation, but in actual fact it's a 
it's a reversal of that. He does it because he loves them and he wants his people to love him in return and in response. So this is the picture that we are given. Uh, the, at least on the outsides you have David, these covenantal people, David and Josiah. And then as you go in, you notice that there is some really questionable kings. Uh, some of them are really, really despicable. Uh, leading Israel, leading Judah into multiple different directions. Uh, pursuing all sorts of gods and other, other things other than the Lord God himself. And so we have this issue uh, with God's people, but also with God's rule. Now, the issue in and of itself is not that God is failing to rule. There's a double, there's a two-folded aspect to God's rule. And when I say that is the Lord has appointed kingship, uh, has given kingship to man, uh, and the kings are supposed to rule God's people according to God's uh, plan, God's purpose, God's intention. And where kings are pursuing their own desires, they will take, 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 if you recall our 1 Samuel series, uh, and very few will actually give uh, instead of take. And so you have this warped um, issue between God's people, you also have God's rule that when done by man, it is corrupted uh, and it is a bad representation of what God's rule should look like. If God's rule is done correctly, it is that of provision, looking after, sheltering, protecting, uh, serving, all sorts of uh, images of, of giving, uh, giving of yourself, giving to, to look out for, look after. Uh, and here we have this picture of these kings. And as I say, if you had to go and explore one and, one and two kings, you really see uh, this decline of Israel as a nation of, of Judah uh, and so on. Uh, and it's a really frightening picture that we are given. But as you, as you turn uh, to, to just consider those things, the rule of the Lord, uh, as I say, is twofold. The human aspect will fail. But ultimately, this line, these uh, people from David through to Jeconiah, uh, ends ultimately with God's rule. Uh, and so just to pick up on that, it ends with them uh, in the time of them being taken off into exile into Babylon. And so that's significant because though the rulership that God had appointed over Israel, over his people, though they failed, God's rulership over his people does not fail. Uh, and so he holds on to the, his promise and he brings about punishment for his people. And it's an, a further aspect of the Lord's rule over his people, Israel. So if you got that in focus, on the one side, you've got the aspect of God's people, whether that's in the form of kingship or the kingship over God's people. Uh, and then furthermore, that kingship fleshed out into the rulership of the Lord's, how the Lord rules his people. He rules through his king, but he also rules over his king and his people. And so when his people reject or when his king and the people reject his rulership, the Lord will intervene and he will bring about, in this case, a nation to carry them off into exile. And so the final thing, uh, we've seen God's people, we've seen God's rule. And the other thing that we need to highlight that this passage, this section actually highlights for us is God's place. Uh, what's significant about this is that from David through uh, to Josiah or to uh, Jeconiah or Jehoiakim, what really makes this a fascinating passage for us is that 
it is God's people under God's rule, but in God's place that he has intended for them. Uh, And so at the end of David, or later on in David's life, he acquires and he gains territory and he conquers and he he gains Jerusalem as territory. And eventually uh, that's where this covenant is made. That uh, David thought, well, this would be the place to build the temple, but it's not for him to build it. And so uh, in Solomon and through Solomon, he is the one that builds the temple. And so if you had to actually count, Solomon is the start uh, of this uh, this section of 14. And it is uh, Solomon who builds the temple. This is the place. It is in Jerusalem. It is the temple where the Lord will rule from. And so he will rule his people He will rule his people from this place. And this place is Jerusalem. And so going from David or or Solomon all the way through to Jeconiah, you have this, uh, this holding on to the temple in the promised land in Jerusalem. This is God's place. Um, and and it's highlighted by the fact that they are now being taken away from it uh, right at the end, as we see in the end of verse 11, uh, and his brothers at the time of the exile of Babylon. That was the point at which Israel had lost their territory. They had lost the, God's place in Jerusalem. And as they are taken away, Jerusalem is destroyed and absolutely uh, broken down and destroyed and knocked to the ground. And it is only in the in the following section that we'll see that there is a transition that takes place. So really, if, if there is anything that you want to pull out and just notice, at least first and foremost from a historical perspective, is what this passage speaks of into or what this passage speaks about verses 6 to 11 highlights for us uh, it is God's kingship though through God ruling as as uh, king over them but also ruling through the human kingship that he installs into uh, the place of kingship the other aspect is the people Uh, God rules his people using his people Uh, so the Lord uses uh, human beings men Uh, David, Solomon, all of these guys are God's people being used to rule God's people. Uh, And then we have the other aspect that is this is happening within God's place, within the promised land, within Jerusalem, within the from the temple. This is God's place. Uh, And so it highlights for us an importance uh, of what God is really uh, trying to do. Do And so Matthew highlights for us something very interesting. So if you were looking for a title for this talk, uh, perhaps the best title uh, would be Christ and the Lord's Kingship. Uh, And the reason why I've highlighted that is kingship is not simply determined uh, or a kingdom is not simply determined by a place, but in actual fact by its king. And so when we look at uh, when we look at this, God's kingdom is where he establishes his king and therefore builds his uh, temple and so on. Uh, But particularly we see in Christ that it's a little bit more complicated than that. So as we turn now and just consider that this is the line from which Christ comes. Christ comes out of a line of kingship. Christ comes out of a line of rulership over God's people. And Christ comes out of a line of uh, people who had been in a particular place. Uh, that was uh, God's place. 
So why am I highlighting God's people and God's place and God's rule in light of this section and in light of Christ? Well, when we turn to Christ, we see that incredible picture fulfilled. We see that incredible picture painted for us through Jesus Christ. As we are coming to Christmas time, as we are looking to this this Messiah who is born into the world, uh, we see that Jesus is God's King. He is the true David. He is the one that came to do uh, what all the other kings and David included uh, failed to do, to be a good king that gives and doesn't take and to do it perfectly. Beyond that, uh, we also find that uh, Jesus is a perfect representation not only of kingship and God's rulership, but he is also a perfect representation of God's people. Uh, He makes up the head of Uh, God's people. So when we look to Christ, we see him as the head of the church or of the body of believers. uh, And we see him also as the one that rules and reigns over his people, over God's people. So we have Christ who is both God's people in and in God's place uh, or uh, under God's rulership. Now for God's place, what we see in Christ is that he is the place. Uh, So that might sound like a weird thing. A person can't be a place. But with Christ, uh, it's something that we just need to highlight and keep in mind is in Mark, at least, we hear that Jesus says, um, see this temple. And he refers to the temple that later on uh, Herod had built, taking taking 40 years to build this incredible temple that he had. And Jesus looks at it and he says, see this temple, I will destroy it. And in three days, I will rebuild it. Now, a temple that has taken 40 years, Jesus claims to be able to rebuild in three days. And people are absolutely perplexed by it. And what that reveals to us is that Jesus says, in actual fact, that he will be that temple. He will be that place from which God will rule. And so when we today turn to Christ, we are turning to him because we are included and made God's people through Christ who rules and reigns and also saves and brings us in to be part of God's people. Uh, And it's it's through Christ's kingship and his rulership and his leadership that we are included in today. Us Gentiles, everyone, absolutely everyone are is included in God's plan through Christ, through the true king who reigns properly, who rules properly, who draws people in, um, who is establishing God's kingdom. And that kingdom is ultimately established in Christ. Uh, And that is that God's place is established uh, in his kingship, in Christ's kingship. So for us today, and just keeping in mind those those three aspects, God's people under God's rule uh, in God's place, we see that fulfilled in Christ. So when we look at this passage like this, this morning of Matthew 1 verse 6 to 11, we really get a, a true glimpse of who Christ is. That Christ is both God's kingship, uh, rulership, he is God's people, Uh, That is the head of his people and he is God's place. He is the one uh, from where God rules and reigns. And this is really, really beautiful picture for us today. And it gives us great comfort that as we approach Christmas time, we are not simply celebrating, as I've said before, a baby in a manger. 
but we are celebrating and reminding one another of the reality of Jesus Christ and who he is. That he is the one that came into the world, not simply to save and to rescue, but to be the true king. To be the one who rules and reigns uh, as God intends. And on top of that, to establish God's place uh, and to include us into his people. This is fantastic news uh, for, for all of us today. That if it was not for Christ then we would have nowhere to go. We would have no hope, no future outside of Jesus Christ. And so hopefully this has just given us a little bit more perspective as to this unfolding uh, image, at least that we have here in Matthew of the genealogy uh, leading up to Jesus Christ. So last week, just to recap, last week we saw that there was the aspect of covenant. That God is a covenantal God. He is a God that makes an everlasting covenant. And to deepen and flesh that out even further, part of that covenant is God's rule under God, uh, God's, God's people under God's rule in God's place. And that we see today. Uh, that this, this covenant that He has established and made in Christ Jesus and fulfilled in Christ Jesus, we see that part of that fleshed out for us today is that we are part of God's people under His headship and His place is wherever Christ is. So for us today, as we celebrate and think about our Savior, Jesus Christ, we can praise and rejoice and thank Him because He is the one that makes it possible to be part of His people, to be included into His, uh, into His family. And it is done through Jesus Christ. And so we become part of this genealogy. We become part of this line that is spoken about here. This line of broken, sinful, absolutely despicable people that as you look at their lives just seem to go deeper and deeper into a decline than anything else and it's out of that that Christ comes and it is out of that that he saves and this is remarkable for us because it is a message of hope it's a message of joy for us to know that uh, God can use anyone and anybody for his glory but ultimately it is possible through his son Jesus Christ that here we have this absolutely peculiar line uh, of, of descendants leading all the way up to Christ. All for the very reason that uh, we are all broken. We are all sinners. And here we sit with a Savior that was perfect. And He took the punishment that we deserve. And so next week we will pick up on a bit of that punishment once again. That yet uh, Israel as a nation, they rebelled and they they broke uh, their faithfulness, their trust, and their covenant with the Lord in that sense. And as a result, they faced punishment. But God never stopped loving them. Uh, so much so that uh, God sent his son. Uh, and so much so that he even included us into that plan. And that is good news for us today. Well, let me pray for us. I hope this has been a interesting but exciting reminder of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your people and your place under your rule. And we just get uh, get a glimpse here of your kingship. Um, unfortunately, yeah, we see the failure of man, but we see it fulfilled in Christ. 
And as we look from David all the way through to Jeconiah, we see that there has been so many kings that have been led astray and failed and fumbled. But the ultimate and true king is Jesus Christ, who never failed, who did it perfectly. And so, gracious Father, as we consider that again, as we come to Christmas and as we think about uh, so often just a baby in a manger and all of the other stories, that we truly are in awe of your incredible son, Jesus Christ, who came to be the perfect king, who came to be the head of, of your people and who came to establish your kingdom and that ultimately you have made with him an everlasting covenant that draws us in and makes us part of your people. So gracious Father, we do pray that this may permeate deep into our lives, that it may run far deeper than the sentiment of Christmas, uh, but that we truly are filled with joy uh, for the, in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who is uh, our King, who is our Saviour, uh, and who has done what we could never do, and has taken the punishment that we deserve. So gracious Father, we thank you. We praise you. Uh, we are in awe of you. And for that, we, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next week as we turn to the final section of uh, this genealogy that, uh, that, uh, that Matthew gives us. And hopefully it will just tie things up. One, one final time for us uh, as we approach uh, Christmas and as we get to celebrate this together, uh, being our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, which is so fantastic that we get to do so uh, because of what he has done for us. So may you be filled with joy as you praise and worship our Lord and Saviour. Have a lovely day and see you all next time. Cheers. Bye.